Welcome to the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. On each and every episode, Brian talks with coaches, athletes, and performers in all arenas who are putting into practice the principles of peak performance that will help you close the gap from where you are to where you want to be to help you become a master of the mental game and to help you start dominating the day. Performance coach here with Kaylee Rafter. She's an assistant softball coach at the University of Buffalo and was a member of the 2008 Team Canada Olympic softball team that went to play in, in Beijing. And this, this is going to be a, a new for us here. This is going to be used as a podcast later on this summer. And this interview right now, where we're going to talk about the mental game of softball, is going to go on. Uh, Periscope for the next 24 hours, and this is actually an inner, inner circle exclusive. So this is going to go into the inner circle where if you join other A-list coaches like yourself at briankane.com slash inner circle, you can get in there and you get an audio every month from me and a newsletter every month from me. You get to interact with other A-list player coaches and you get exclusive interviews with Olympic athletes and other top coaches around the country like Kaylee. So Kaylee, if you would please, would you tell our uh, followers and listeners here about your background in terms of how you got into the game of softball and then your journey you know, to uh, through college and at Florida State and then Team Canada and playing in Japan and kind of give them in maybe a minute or two your career up to this point? Yeah, absolutely. So I started, I mean, I played softball all my life. Started actually uh, in softball as T-ball. Um, threw the ball a little too hard, so they made me go play with the boys. So I had to go play. I played boys hardball until I was in seventh grade. Made the final switch over back to softball. Stayed in softball my whole life, uh, growing up in Canada, as you mentioned. Um, then I went down to play at University of Detroit Mercy, a smaller Division One school. Uh, good fit for where I was. It was close to home. It was perfect. Knew a lot of players on the team. We had a bunch of Canadians, so it was a really good fit. Um, going into 07-08, I got an invite to go play with the Canadian national team. Uh, it was a tryout camp. So I, I said, you know what, let me go down. Let me try. I don't think I'm going to make it. I was one of 50 players at that tryout camp down at, in Las Vegas. Didn't think I had a shot in the world at making the team. Ended up making the team for that summer um, and had the opportunity to play. The 07-08 season was the first year that I ever played with the Canadian team. Had an okay summer, but my eyes were pretty much open to the world of softball that I had sure. never known. So uh, pre- preparation, fueling, the mental game, vision training, all those things that I was never exposed to. My, my bubble just kind of burst and my eyes were wide open all of a sudden. So I decided I was going to take... That 08, the fall of 08 off, and I said, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to train full-time in Vegas. I went down to Vegas, flew down there, just stayed on the couch, and said, I'm going to train for as long as I can. So I was out there in the field probably 12 to 14 hours a day just trying to prepare myself for the Olympic tryout. Made the Olympic team, went to play for the Olympics or in Beijing for Team Canada. We placed fourth, but it was just an amazing experience with that team to be able to grow as a software player and to – Commit yourself for a full year, 24 hours a day. I'm going softball. I'm pushing my limits of what it means to be an athlete and uh, the mental side of it, the physical side of it, uh, the training, all of that really kind of was an amazing year to just be able to do that, focus on softball for a year. Transferred down to Florida State for my senior season in 2008-2009. Played there, had an amazing time with the coaches for my final year. And then I had the opportunity to go play over in Japan. So I played over in Japan for two years. 
um, completely different world over there for softball sure. and their mentality and how they approach the game. So that was amazing to learn. And now I've come back, still play with the Canadian team in the summer times and, and for that season, but uh, transitioned into coaching for this the last, this is my first year in coaching. So it's been a different experience, but a great kind of transition into that other side of everything. Awesome. So, so Kaylee, if you talk a little bit here, and I know we got some, some questions of people coming in, and uh, we will have a time to take questions at the end. So please hold on to those questions. We'll, we'll get to those. Um, if you would, talk a little bit about your experience as an athlete. And what is the mental game of softball? Um, good question. Uh, if, I, if I could kind of sum it up into one or two things. For me, it was softball is such a game of failure. And I know it's so cliche to say that you're, it's, it's a game of failure. It's a dealing with failure. But beyond that, it's buying into those every day trying to get a little bit better. And we hear those things kind of thrown around 1% better, but Something that really resonated with me was the idea of sucking less. So if you mm. think about interesting the difference between a good hitter, let's say 300, and a great hitter, 400, over 10, or over 10 at-bats, let's say four pitches in at-bat, that's three successful hits in 40 pitches or four successful hits in 40 pitches. So is it about mechanically? Is there really that many mechanics involved? Yes, that's a huge part of it. But what if I'm just present? What if I just stay on a change-up a little bit longer and roll over one through a three-four-all? Mm-hmm. What if I'm just in that moment for 20 pitches, and then I can get to 30 pitches, and then I can get to 40 pitches out of 40? Because it's really, it's it's good to grade is 3 out of 40 or 4 out of 40. It's really not that big of margin for error. So once I kind of really started to think about that and learn that, about how much being present in that moment, can I not waste one of those? And it's not going to happen. Obviously, there's going to be times where you might have whatever whatever going on and you lose a few of those, but how many of those 40 can I be there? So that's really started, what I started to break it down to. And then, obviously, we're in the pursuit of per- perfection in this game, but it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So practice to be perfect, <clears throat> but in the end, just <clears throat> suck a little less every day. You know, it's funny you mentioned the pursuit of perfection. For those watching or listening to this, um, the podcast that we did with Kat Osterman, which if you're a coach listening to this or a softball player or fan and have not listened to that yet, it's one of the best we've, we've ever had. Kat talked about uh, you know her goal of trying to be perfect in something that you can't be perfect in. You know, she said even in a perfect game, and I think she's thrown like seven of them in her career, right? Even in a perfect game, you still throw balls, you still miss pitches, and there's still things that are not perfect about a perfect game. So I like what you're saying that about sucking less and. Uh, Navy SEAL, a guy named David Goggins, who I heard speak one time, he said, one of the things that separates SEALs from other people is that in competition, you don't step up to the level of competition, you sink to your levels of training and habits. And it sounds like that's the same thing of, can I train, and when you move to Vegas, can I train to to raise my basement or to to elevate my basement so that my worst performance is not as bad as maybe what it would have been? Is that accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And it's buying into... The fact that everything I do in a day, I kind of, your day is nothing but a series of decisions. The alarm goes off and I decide, do, do I hit the snooze? Do I wake up? And when you can really start to transition into that time where 100% of those decisions or at least close to it are made with a bigger picture in mind. I know that's something you, you like to talk about as well, but when you when you make those decisions for the team and not just for yourself, whether you go to class or whether you 
do every rep in the weight room or do you go out and do 200 reps? Do you go out and do 250? It's just your day is nothing but one decision after another lined up all in a row. And how many of those can you sway mm. to that team first or what that goal is, that buy-in of what your ultimate goal is? And I've, heard, I've heard that said is it's, it, you know, being an Olympic athlete, it's a lifestyle. It's not an event. You know, and everyone sees we have had, we've had Lindsay Fry who played uh, for Team USA ice hockey, got a silver medal in Sochi. And she talked about this, how making the decision to be a ice hockey player at the Olympic level, it just consumes you with what you put in your body, with who you associate with, with what you do. And, and, and it's one of those, you know, total commitments that I think a lot of people look at, look at great athletes on TV or watch you play softball and they think, well, she's just talented. But there's probably as many people in Canada that weren't on the national team that were, were as talented or maybe more talented than you, but did not put in that work to get 1% better, as you're talking about. Do you see that in college athletics, that the difference between players that have talent and those that have the right work ethic, and sometimes they will pass those that have more talent? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're always going to – it's a sliding scale of – For sure. Some people, are they're born with it. They're better – they're gifted, and they're not going to need to. And you're going to look at those people, and they won't need to go in every day and practice for four hours. But – the people who really buy into that, those are the, they go from good to great. And their, their great may be a little different, and that player might go from great to unstoppable, but they may never reach that because they don't, that buy-in's not there, or that commitment's not there. And I think that's always a consistent struggle because there's lots of distractions in college, mm. especially when there's, there's, going, there's a social life, there's a new situation. You're around people in college that you never, ever be around. It's amazing. You're going to go back... You grew up around people exactly like you. You're going to go go to work and go live around people once you're done college exactly like you. But for four years, you're around a group of people that are completely different from completely different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing. But sometimes you can get lost in that. So do you have that focus, that, that kind of mental precision to, to stay on, to keep in the back of your mind what your ultimate goal is? It's awesome. And, and, and in college, you know, that, it's, it's almost... Uh, Remember Ken Revisa used to always say, my mentor, I think you worked with Ken yep. with the national team. Yep. Let's talk about him here for a minute. Um, but he used to always say that success is as much about distraction control as it is about setting a goal. You know, and I always thought that that was really good, that success is as much about distraction control as it is about setting a goal. So uh, I'm going to take note here for questions that I want to ask Kaylee, one of which is going to be about Ken Revisa. The other is going to be about breathing techniques that you talked about. Mm -hmm. But first, let's jump in here and see if we've got any questions. Any questions coming in here from our followers here on Periscope? Uh, if anybody has any questions coming in for Kaylee Rafter, assistant softball coach at the University of Buffalo, and was also a member of the 2008 Team Canada Olympics in Beijing. If you're getting any benefit out of this, please keep keep hitting the screen for hearts. One of the questions, million-dollar question. Thank you, Kaylee. Here's a million-dollar question. And that came in from uh, Matt Morse. Thank you, Matt. What is it that you know now, Kaylee, having been an Olympic athlete, uh, having played at Florida State in one of the top softball programs in the country, and now as an assistant coach, what is it that you know now you wish you knew, let's say, when you were a first-year college athlete? Sometimes the game doesn't reward hard work. Hmm. And you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay that you got in the biggest situation and you didn't succeed. But can you go back and look yourself in the mirror at night and be okay with that? Because three, seven times out of ten, if you're a good hitter, you're going to fail, like we talked about before. 
and you can put in all this work and you can feel you're entitled to succeed in that situation, but you aren't. The game doesn't know. And it, you could be going against someone that didn't train and didn't practice and you're not going to come out on top. And that's okay. But it's more about can you go back and look yourself in the mirror and know that it is what it is. It didn't happen this time, but at least I can go back. I can look my teammates in the eye. I can look myself in the eye. I can look my coach in the eye, and I can be okay with that. It's kind of like uh, Gary Gaines, if you've seen the movie for Friday Night Lights, where he's talking about his team, the Permian, not the TV show Friday Night Lights, but the movie Friday Night Lights, where he's talking to the Permian Panthers at halftime of their state championship game. I think it was against Dallas Carter in the movie, and they're getting the snot beat out of him, and he says, you know, can you be perfect? He said, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. It's about you, your relationships with your teammates, and being able to look yourself in the eye and know that there's not anything else you could have done. Can you live in that moment? Can you live in that moment with clear eyes and with joy in your heart? And I think that's kind of what you're saying is that you, as long as when your head hits the pillow or you look yourself in the mirror, we're going to come to this question here uh, right in a second, but if you can look at yourself in the mirror and know that there's nothing else you could have done, that's a win. Question that came in is, what's the best piece of advice that you were ever given as an athlete? Whew. Best advice, don't do anything stupid. <laughs> don't, there, there's always, don't be stupid. <laughs> there's all, like, you can, you're going to be in those moments, and there's going to be two paths that you can take. Take the non, and I, and I don't be stupid. <laughs> take the non-stupid path. Yes, take the take the path that's, the path of least resistance isn't always the right path, but also just be smart. Yeah. Think things through. Yeah, I mean, it's like, do what's right. Yeah, I yeah. mean, as easy as it is to say, it's hard for a lot of people to do, to do what's right. Yeah. You know, that's great, though. <laughs> There's simple wisdom yeah. here. It's Canadian simple yeah. wisdom, right? Don't things, do I mean, things. Another thing my mom used to always say, too, don't. It's really easy, or if you don't lie, you don't have to have a good memory. Uh, I used to remember, you heard yeah. my high school football coach used to say that so all the time. if you just tell the truth, your memory can suck. But when you start when you start getting into those and stretching the truth and not telling, you got to really make sure you got your eggs in a row to make sure you're not. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, any other questions coming in? Let's see what we got here. Appreciate you guys throwing those in there. Two great questions so far. And let's see here. We'll give it a five-second countdown. No, if no other questions are coming in, I got one for Kaylee Rafter, Olympic softball player. Five, four, three. Keep those hearts coming. Two, if you swipe the screen, you can also share now live. Here we go. Greatest ooh, greatest softball player of all time. Kaylee, what do you think? I would have to go um, – I'm going to go across across the – the Pacific Ocean for this one. Go Yokiku Ueno. Interesting. Led led the Japanese to the Olympic gold medal in 2008 against probably one of the most feared hitting lineups oh, yeah. that I've ever seen that was probably ever put together. And then it's continued to do that now. Japanese titles, world championships, now into her late 30s, continue to probably be on the top of her game and the best pitcher in the world. Late 30s probably be the ideal time to be on top of your game. How yeah. old are you? Uh, 29. 29. Well, yeah. you, you stay positive because yeah. 37 on top of my game, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Now, is that pitcher from Japan, is she the one that beat Team USA in the 2008 gold medal game? She was. She wow. was the, the pitcher that she took them. 2004, she came in, uh, I believe they led them to a, a bronze medal game when she was in her mid-20s, came back and beat that beat that lineup. Um, the feared USA lineup, the the dream team that it was, it was top to bottom, 
probably one of the best lineups ever assembled. And she went into that last game after she threw 16 innings the night before, I believe, against Australia. Didn't throw a pitch over 64, which she was known for. She threw in the 72s, but didn't throw a pitch over 64, 65 that whole game and just pitched her way through that lineup. And has continued to do that for the last... Eight years now. Great. Love the questions coming in. If we miss one, just continue to put it back out there, please. Love it. Uh, and I want to know, we want to know, we want to know, <laughs> your favorite, think the best softball player of all time. I'm going to say Kat Osterman. She's on the cover of the mental game of softball. Kat, if you're watching, you're great. One of the questions that came through here, Kaylee, was um, how do you how do you get the importance of mental game training? How do you communicate that to travel ball parents so that they buy into the mental game? Great question. Um, I think for the parents out there that, that I've seen, we were allowed to, I think when I was growing up, it's a little bit different of an era and we were allowed to fail and fail repeatedly and it was okay. And, we didn't have someone trying to force us. We kind of were allowed to fail and continue on. I see it a lot now with coaches calling pitches for pitchers or catchers. Um, one of the ways I learned the game of softball, what it really means to be a catcher, is calling pitches, failing, that didn't work. Let's try something new and kind of being able to work through that and go through that. I don't know if I see that as much now where kids, it's okay to fail, yes, but you don't need someone kind of over you. So I think it's really important, especially when these younger kids are getting out there, Go, it's okay to not do well. You're mm -hmm. going to go through times where you slump. That's part of the game, but it's how you individually work yourself out of that. And, yes, we can kind of help people along the way, but let them, let them be their own person. Let them work through that. It, it's not um, the pressure to kind of get over that fast isn't, isn't helping or trying to help them through getting over that fast. I think it's – being okay with the mental the biggest part of that is getting over those failures so i think for me seeing that that would be my recommendation just build an environment that's constructive and it's it's okay to fail but at the same time i'm going to let you do this and i'm going to let you get through it and make your mistakes and learn how to overcome those awesome i love the questions coming in here we got some good ones coming in uh one of the questions was about how do you feel about early commitments in softball um, you know, that's a great question. We're going to table that one and hold that one. We want to keep this on the mental game. But again, this is the first time the, uh, that would be the inaugural, not an annual, the first time I've ever done a podcast or an interview like this live on Periscope. So as your questions come in, I'm going to actually be able to catch them and write them down. So, uh, as they come in, if I see them on the screen and you see me engage here and write down, I've got your question to give to Kaylee. So we've got the one about early commitments. We've got one also about how do you keep engagement in the process. Great questions, which we'll come back to. Kaylee, if you would, we mentioned the name of an icon, a hero in my life, a master of the mental game, Dr. Ken Revisa. Would you talk about your relationship with Ken and maybe some of the key take-homes you got from him, the best mental game of softball coach that's ever lived? Yeah. Um, so Ken came with us in the year we were prepared to go to the Olympics. Uh, worked with him in the beginning of 07, the fall of 07, and for the full year from January through August when we went up to the, the Beijing Olympics in 2008. Uh, and he just, he was the first person I'd ever been around uh, in terms of talking the mental game. Even mm -hmm. reading books, I wasn't really into that at that point. Um, it wasn't something that was I needed it as of yet, but I just think he's just, his demeanor, um, his, his approachability, 
and his ability to kind of get to every single person on our team in his own way was unreal for, for kind of working with him in that situation and really kind of feel the heartbeat of the team and know individually how can I play those pieces to get the most out of this team um, and how in, how to push us individually to get the most so we got the most out of the team. And um, I just think the breathing routine, the ability to separate offense to defense as a catcher was huge for me. Um as a position player, sometimes outfielders, infielders, you have a little more leeway to take bad at-bats out to the field because the ball doesn't come to you that often. You can maybe be not present for an inning or two and still be able to get away with that. But as a catcher, it's so important being able to separate. Once I get back on that field, I have to be engaged 100% of the time because mm-hmm. one pitch can be the difference to swing that game. Um, so he just really kind of started that fire that's progressed over this last 10 years for me. It's awesome. Kaylee, you know, one of the things you mentioned was Ken's ability to connect with everyone and have been in his classroom for two years and been his grad assistant for two years. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's something that I think at the time maybe I undervalued and, and didn't even really pay attention to. But now that you mentioned it, it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, man, he was really, really good at that. And if you think that's a valuable skill, go ahead and tap the screen and send some love. If you think being able to connect with a lot of types of people is valuable, send some love, please, by tapping the screen. Um, you know, and when, when you know, I think the thing that Ken, Ken was able to do was connect with everybody. And one of the strategies that, that I've heard, you know, Tony Robbins, who's a, who's a great mental game coach, talk about was he said, people like people like them. And there's three types of people, level three, level five, level eight. Level three being the more quiet, level five, a little more engaged. Level eight's a lot of people. We know there's a couple of them at this camp right now that are here and they're out there and they're ready to go, right? So if you can match the energy of the person who you're working with, and I go back to a meeting I had with one of the Florida State softball players today, I didn't do a great job of that. She was a level three. I was more level five, level eight, like I normally am. And, and as the professional communicator and coach, you've got to be able to come back down and meet the learner where they're at with their most preferred learning style, which for this player was level three. And I probably didn't make as good a connection as I could have because I was a more five or eight. Is there anything that you do as a first-year coach in a new program for you to make connections with players? Yeah. Strategies that you use that coaches might be able to use? Yeah. Uh, I think number one, listen. Uh, number two, ask questions. I learn more from asking players how was your day than I do than what I'll learn any other time on the field. Just being engaged with what they're going through in everyday life has kind of really been something I've taken away from this being around the Florida State program for quite a while. Uh, It matters. It matters to girls. It matters to athletes that you're engaged. You're taking a liking to what they do. And yes, it is about what we do on the field, and that's the end goal. But building that trust of you can be here. I'll be here when you need to. I'm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put in my hundred percent. Um, and then to just showing effort on my part, I need to be prepared. I need to have a plan. I need to, if you ask questions, that's great. I want you to ask questions. Um, and I'm going to, we'll have a discussion on the reasons for those. So really kind of having that open door, but I need to have my stuff together. I can't go in there. Well, let's just wing it today Mm -hmm. and hopefully we get to where we want to go. So Mm -hmm. having a really clear, direct path, 
this is what my experiences have, have taken me. This is where we're going to try to get to. If you have questions along the way, it, it's definitely a two-way street. But I think in a coaching position, it's my responsibility to make sure at least we have some sort of direction or some sort of plan. Love it. And it's, you know, as Russell Wilson, quarterback for the Seahawks, says, separation is in preparation. That doesn't just go for athletes. That goes for coaches as well who are running the practice. And it's amazing having been a high school athletic director for seven years um, and worked with a lot of programs in the country, how little value often some people place on the preparation process of practice planning. You know, John Wooden used to say the coach at UCLA that it would take him twice as long to prepare for a practice as it would to actually execute the practice. So a two-hour practice is four hours of preparation, which uh, it was pretty remarkable. You know, Kaylee, question again, uh, tying back to something you talked about with the Revisa about the breathing routines. Mm-hmm. And tonight when we were waiting in line at the at the restaurant, <laughs> uh, you mentioned about one of the things that happened this summer for you was, you know, often people think breathing is about being able to slow yourself down and play one pitch at a time. In the summer, you had a situation where breathing was used to help you get more jacked up and, and engaged in the second game of a doubleheader. Talk about breathing, if you would. Yeah, so I've always been more of a, I'm not... I'm kind of more of a flatline player. I don't, I don't ride the roller coaster. There's not too many ups. There's not too many downs. It's just kind of been my personality. So a lot of where I kind of lost in translation the breathing was the calming yourself down, which definitely big situation. You feel those butterflies. So important. Being able to take that big, deep breath. But it's never something that really resonated with me and who the type of player I was. But this summer, working with uh, one of the ladies that's around a Canadian team, she said, well, what about those times when you're you're kind of low and you're lacking in energy? What why don't we use a, that breath to kind of to prepare your system a little better, prepare yourself to get up a little higher? And I was like, well, that kind of makes a lot of sense. So it's like you mentioned today, if you're about to execute a a squat or a max bench, that's a very different breath than if you're trying to calm yourself down. Mm-hmm. So fooling around that a lot especially game two doubleheader maybe you're playing your third at bat it's been a long day you've caught a doubleheader or you're out there maybe you're on a travel ball team and you're out there for the eighth game and you're just trying to get through it why not try use that breath to get yourself up for that at bat and to really kind of use a more forceful breath a little stronger inhale stronger exhale as opposed to the to calm yourself down maybe and that gets me a little more ready. My system's a little more prepared. So maybe I don't give away that 10th at bat. We're over the course of a season. Those are huge for us when you're talking about that one or two pitches in 40 that I can, mm-hmm. if I'm present for. Um, so that's really something this year that, that I really had an epiphany with because the breathing routine didn't, the in and out, long exhales, sometimes it would be a situation that worked for me. But a lot of times being more of one of those low line, I'm going to be very consistent. I didn't need to get down from a a high, but I think there's a lot of times in my game where I maybe need that breath to get me up from a little more of a contained low. Love it. It's fantastic. It's the best part about working in athletics, right, and coaching and being around great athletes is you learn something every day. And, you know, as you're you're speaking, I'm sitting here thinking about the example of a yoga breath between two moves. Or let's get calm and relaxed breath, which uh, the one that we'll talk about is an inhale for the one we posted today. Inhale for six, hold for two, exhale for eight. Well, if you need to activate yourself, that's not going to work for you. It's got to be more of almost like a inhale for two, 
Exhale from one, more of a violent exhale, like you're talking about with the power clean. Yeah. So I think for hitters, sometimes when we teach the mental game, you know, it's more of a, but it doesn't always have to be that way. Maybe what we need to do is we need to teach it more of a, uh, in a in, and they call it your ideal performance state, right? Your IPS, your ideal performance state. Where is that? And how do you bring yourself? If your ideal performance state is a six on a scale of one to 10, if it's a six and you're at a three, you need to go power clean breath, right? To get you towards a six, to move you up. If you're at a 10 and you're all jacked up and the situation is big and you need to slow yourself down, you've got to be able to use more of that six to eight breath to slow yourself back down. I think athletes need to be able to use both of those. So, uh, Kaylee, fantastic. I know uh, we've got people outside that are waiting for autographs from you and things like that. And I've stolen you from the party here. So, um, last, last thing, we're going to throw you on the hot seat, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Throw you on the hot seat. The hot seat is... And we're going to take hot seat questions. Hot seat is a real quick answer. So yeah. like, like 10 second answers less. Okay. I'm going to say random things in front of mind. You're going to say what you think of. Ready? Okay. Popcorn. Butter. Sushi. Japan. Softball. Best game ever. Florida State. Life changer. Lonnie Almeida. Game changer. Mental game. Uh... Ken Revisa. Tim Hortons. Uh, snack pack of Timbits. <laughs> Starbucks. Uh, Grande pipe of vanilla every morning. Um, UNLV. That was the that was the turning of the tide. And um, dirt. Fun. Grass. Yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> All dirt infields. I'm okay with that. On Japan, it was all dirt outfields as well. Outfields, so, yeah, infield yeah. and outfields. You know, that it bring back hor- horrific memories of handwriting the field after every practice. That's oh, that was. Fantastic. Yeah. Kayla, you are off the hot seat. Thank you so much Thank for joining us here. Appreciate Last it. thing for our followers. Uh, if you would, please, would you share any contact information, hopefully Twitter, so they can engage with you and follow you here? Do you have a Twitter handle? Yeah, I believe I'm at Kaylee Rafter, K-A-L-E-I-G-H, Rafter, R-A-F as in Frank, T-E-R. Um... Yeah, so hit me up on Twitter. You can search me. Awesome. And, yeah. And if you're if you ever have softball coaches clinics or you have a travel organization and you're looking for a role model to come in and speak or a great speaker to come in and talk about the mental game or her experience, this is the coach to bring in. Fantastic. Also, uh, if you have not yet joined the Brian Kane Inner Circle, this is going to be in, in, in there right now. Uh, we're going to put it in there tonight. It'll be there forever. BrianKane.com slash Inner Circle. You can get in for free right now for a month. Check it out. Get some ex- get some exposure in there. Um, and then on Periscope, you only got it for 24 more hours. So if you like it, send it out to other people. Thanks for checking this out. And uh, dominate the day. We'll see you. Thank you. Today's podcast is sponsored by Potential Apparel. Potential Apparel is on a mission to inspire athletes to reach their true potential. If you're serious about reaching yours, then you have to go check them out. They make awesome clothing for dedicated and committed athletes. I'm a huge supporter of what they're doing, and that's why I wear their clothing with pride. Make a statement and join the movement today at PotentialApparel.com. Be sure you use promo code Brian Kane with a space between Brian and Kane for 15% off on your first order. Dominate the day with Potential Apparel. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. Please make sure that you visit briancane.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-C-A-I-N.com. 
and sign up for my Monday message, where every Monday I deliver straight to your inbox videos, interviews, articles, tips, techniques, and strategies that you can use to master the mental game. You can also contact me through my website on our Contact Us page and see my calendar of where I'm going to be in the country and when I'm coming to your area so that we can get together and that we can continue to go out there and dominate the day. This is a production of Corn Belt Sports. The Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast is part of the Top Coach Network.